0: In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Please open up your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. Our text today is Ephesians 4, verses 12 to to 16. And uh, thus far in Ephesians 4, Paul's taught us about the unity that all true Christians share, the the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, which we should all be eager to, to maintain as we relate to one another with Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. And then last week, Paul reminded us that each and every follower of Jesus has been given at least one spiritual gift by the the risen and ascended Lord Jesus Christ. And those gifts are to be used for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Also, we learned last week that those gifts are to be rightly ordered, directed, equipped, developed under the faithful teaching and preaching of the word of God in the local church. And then today in our text, we're going to see that Paul moves from the topic of unity to the topic of the diversity of gifts in the body of Christ to the purpose of those gifts, which is spiritual maturity in Christ, the church growing up in Christ. And so as I read the text, and I'm going to go back and read verse 11 and 12 as well, But listen to what Paul says about Christian spiritual maturity in our passage. Hear now God's holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible, life-giving word. Begin reading in Ephesians 4 verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. And it's absolutely true. And it's given to us in love for our good. And we're going to look at Ephesians 4, verses 12 to 16, under under three headings. First, the, the goal of maturity Second, the alternative to maturity. And then third, the path to maturity. So the goal, the alternative, and the path to maturity. So first, the the goal of maturity. So let's begin with looking at at verse 12. And we covered verse 12 last week, but I think it's helpful um, to look at this and just be reminded that the, the risen and ascended Lord Jesus Christ gave gifts to his church. And we saw last week that that he called men faithful men to be pastor teachers or shepherd teachers for the purpose of faithfully preaching and teaching the word of God to what end we see in verse 12 to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ for the building up of the body of Christ think about that phrase the building up of the body of Christ that's the purpose And it means that one of Jesus' primary goals for your life as an individual Christian, one of his primary goals for for our lives as a local church, is spiritual maturity. That we would all grow up in Christ. That we would become spiritually mature as we are sanctified. As we're made holy. As we're conformed more and more into the image of Christ. Now look at verse 13. Paul goes on and says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I mean, there we have in in verse 13, in that second half of verse 13, we've, we've got a definition of spiritual maturity. And so I want us to start there looking at this goal of maturity, looking at what Paul says in the second half of verse 13, and then we'll go back and look at the, the first half of it. So first, focus on that phrase, mature manhood. That's Paul's shorthand way of saying spiritual maturity in Christ. You see, the, the Greek word translated mature is also uh, translated in other parts of the New Testament as Perfect. But that Greek word that's translated mature, it's a form of the Greek word telos. And telos means end or goal or completion. So think about what Paul's saying to us here. The the aim or the goal for your Christian life should be that you strive to reach the the end or the completion of what began at your conversion. What, What began when God saved you. That is, you should strive to become spiritually mature. That whenever God saves us by his grace, I mean, we're we're spiritual babies, we're spiritual infants. But it ought to be our goal, our aim to, to grow up. To grow up in Christ, to become spiritual adults, to make spiritual maturity a priority for us. I mean, look 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 again at verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, now look at this last phrase, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Right, I mean, that's that's spiritual maturity. Right. Growing up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, God's purpose for you is that you will become more like Jesus. That your character will be conformed more and more to that of Jesus Christ. You see, Christ is the measure. It's it's not your co-workers, how you measure up against them and their character. It's not your neighbors. It's not even one another in, in this sanctuary. But Christ is the measure. That he is the maturity by which our spiritual maturity is to be measured. As the pastor Sinclair Ferguson puts it, Maturity means becoming more like Christ, becoming full of Christ, and it comes from letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Now that's, that's key, and we talked about this last week, right? All of these gifts are, are given by the, the, the risen and ascended Christ for the building up of the body of Christ, but all of these gifts are to be rightly ordered and directed and developed under the, the ministry of the word of God. And so that's why earlier in Ephesians 4, you know, Paul highlights all of these word of ministry gifts that, that the risen Christ gave to his church. And so we're gonna see that. We're gonna see that all throughout this passage, okay? It's only the ministry of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit that will produce this depth of spiritual maturity in our lives as individuals and as a church. So look again at Verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see what Paul says about how we reach mature manhood? How we grow up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? He said it's not going to happen until until we attain to the unity of the faith. Until we attain to the knowledge of the son of God okay well well, what does that mean let's think about each of those two phrases in turn so first until we all attain to the unity of the faith now I, I believe Paul means until we all attain sound doctrine and live it out faithfully it's not not just you know fill our heads with sound doctrine but but live it out okay we're gonna we're gonna get to truth and love being together that's where paul's going with this in this passage but he noticed he says until we all attain the unity of the faith not just unity of faith but the unity of the faith of of the true faith or of the the, the faith that that we read about in jude chapter 3 jude verse 3 beloved there's no jude chapter 3 verse 3 beloved Although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. The faith, the one faith, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Right? That's the faith that unites us. That's the faith that we are to contend for. And we are to strive to attain unity in understanding and believing and embracing and living in light of the sound doctrine of the Christian faith, which is revealed in God's word. Sinclair Ferguson, again, is helpful. He says, if as God's people we were together exposed to the same sanctifying truth on a regular and intensive basis, our minds and our thinking, our wills and desires would be recalibrated to the mind and will of God. I mean, that's spiritual maturity. H- having our, our minds and our thinking, our wills and our desires, recalibrated to the mind and will of God. And that, that, that's, it's only through the exposure to sound doctrine and preaching and teaching of God's word week after week Sunday after Sunday, month after month, year after year, that our minds and our wills are recalibrated to God's mind and will. And we are conformed more and more to the image of Christ as we grow up spiritually. John MacArthur points out, disunity in the church comes from doctrinal ignorance and spiritual immaturity. When believers are properly taught and when the body is thereby built up in spiritual maturity unity of the faith is an inevitable result okay so so look again at verse 13 until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god to mature manhood the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ and so until we all attain to the knowledge of the son of god the knowledge the true knowledge of the son of god if if we're going to become spiritually mature then we must have a clear understanding of who Jesus is, and what he has do, done, what he is doing, what he promises to do. We must have a, have a, have a clear understanding of who the real, biblical Jesus actually is. Not, not, and not merely some, some figment, some creation of our own imagination. Like It, it will not do, it will not result in, in spiritual growth, and, in health, in maturity, for us to just decide for ourselves, okay, well, this is what I think Jesus is probably like. This is what I want my Jesus to be like. I mean, surely Jesus must agree with me here, and he must think about things the way I think about things. No, we have to know, okay, who is the real biblical Jesus? And we can only find this by, by the word of God. See, this is why many of us need more exposure, more consistent and regular exposure to faithful preaching and teaching from God's Word. It's the only way we're going to grow in our knowledge of who Christ is and what he's done for us. Right, we must understand what the Bible says about the person and work of Christ, right? what the Bible says about his full deity, what the Bible says about his perfect and righteous life, his sacrificial atoning death on the cross his victorious resurrection from the grave, his glorious ascension back to God the Father's right hand in heaven, his, his ongoing and present intercession for us as our great high priest, and his promise and assurance that he will one day return and bring all of his people all of the way home to be with their triune God and his people. You see, in this knowledge is not, it's not merely head knowledge. It's, it's not merely book knowledge. It's not merely that, yet we have no access to truly knowing Christ apart from God's Word, given to us in love for our good. But this knowledge is it's so much more than, than merely head knowledge. James Boyce says, this is knowledge that goes beyond what can be packed into the head. We do need to pack some things into our heads, but it goes beyond what can be packed into the head, knowledge that also trickles down into the heart, And flows out into the life in obedient and loving service to the Lord. And I think I think it's a very good quote, very helpful, because right to truly know Christ, you know, the real biblical Jesus Christ, not some creation of our own imagination, but to truly know Christ is 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 to love him. Is to love Christ and to love his word and to love his church. See, Paul, Paul says a lot about love in, in Ephesians, And he says a lot about love in the first half of Ephesians four. We're going to talk more about that a little bit later, but, but think about, think about growing spiritually. How does that happen? See, it's only through the ordinary means of grace that that happens. Ordinary means of grace. You, you know what I'm referring to whenever I use that phrase. You can read Shorter Catechism, Question 88, and it helps lays them out. But the ordinary means of grace is the faithful preaching of God's Word, it's prayer, it's the right administration of the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Sunday after Sunday, month after month, year after year, the ordinary means of grace. Will grow us. That's how we will attain to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. You see, spiritual maturity is, is to be pursued. It's to be pursued, dear Christian, until our final breath. So let me ask you, are are you pursuing spiritual maturity? Or is it just assumed? Is it just as soon because of the, you know, the, the color of your hair or the, the fewer hairs? Are you pursuing spiritual maturity? One of Jesus' primary goals for your life is your spiritual maturity. You know, most of us know the, the first question to our shorter catechism what is man's chief end? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Well, our spiritual maturity is an expression of us glorifying God and enjoying Him. Spiritual maturity is to be pursued. Well, the second heading is what happens to the spiritually immature, an alternative to maturity. Well, look what Paul says in verse 14. So that we may no longer be children... Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. See, Whenever you first came to know Christ, you were a spiritual baby. You were a spiritual baby. But just like our children need to grow up, we want them to grow up, we want them to mature, all Christians are to grow up and to mature spiritually. See, there's a difference between having a, a childlike faith in a childish, immature faith. It's a big difference. You know, a childlike faith is a very positive thing in the sense that it means that we trust Christ and his word fully and completely the way a young child trusts their parents, completely and fully. But we're not to settle for a childish, immature faith, a childish faith that, that never grows up, that, that never matures I mean, look again at verse 14. I mean, do you see the marks of a, of a childish, immature faith? So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. You see, immature Christians with their childish faith, they never seem to have any settled convictions about the Christian faith. They never seem to have any settled convictions about the doctrines they believe. I mean, they lack settled convictions about very basic things, like what constitutes faithful preaching, what constitutes faithful worship. I mean, how do we evaluate whether a church is a faithful church or not? See, immature Christians with a childish faith, they're like children who never grow up. Paul says. They're like a ship without a rudder that's out on the open sea and it's being tossed to and fro by all the waves. Paul says that the immature Christian is like leaves just blowing in the wind, this way and that way. That the immature Christian, they're deceived and influenced by the last preacher they heard or the last book they read or the last conference they attended because they're not spiritually mature enough to discern and distinguish the faithful from the unfaithful. Or maybe, maybe the immature Christian is, is even too distracted and too busy playing to even try to do any of those things, to even bother with, with listening to preaching or reading books or thinking about this, try pursuing spiritual maturity and growth. Sinclair Ferguson says this. This is very pastoral and I think it's very helpful. He says, immature believers are today exposed to the latest thing, the most recent wind of doctrine that blows through the church. The marketing of literature, television preachers, seminars, videos, and the like almost necessitates novelty. The pride of the human heart does not like to be thought old-fashioned. A new wind blows through each year, and a hurricane every few years. And many are swept off their feet by teaching that may begin with an open but misinterpreted Bible and end with a deceived mind. But the prolonged, intensive, faithful exposition of God's Word delivers us from immaturity. Indeed, as the psalmist notes in Psalm 119, knowing Scripture can give us more understanding than our teachers and make us wiser than our enemies. Okay, so how do we we grow up out of childish, immature faith into becoming mature spiritual adults. Once again, it's, it's through the faithful teaching and preaching of God's word. As God's spirit moves through his word in the hearts of his people. Remember what, what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2.2. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, the pure spiritual milk of the word, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Right? We grow up as we become more serious about hearing and reading and studying and memorizing and meditating and and obeying God's word see friends this is the only way that that we're going to grow up it's the only way we're going to develop biblical convictions I mean it's the only way we're going to learn to discern and distinguish between what is true and false between what is harmful and helpful between what is you know unfaithful and what is faithful And perhaps, I mean, the ultimate test of true spiritual maturity is being able to discern between, okay, what's merely okay and good enough and and what is best. I mean, think about it. I mean, that's an important mark of maturity, isn't it? I mean, parents, parents, I mean, what what do we want to see in our teenagers? I mean, I know it's it's a long list of things, but, you know, I've got a couple of teenagers and I've got more who are on the way, and I mean, I, I think you agree with me. We want to see our teenagers be able to display the ability to discern between what is merely okay and what is best, what is best in all of their lives. Well, as Christians, we need to grow up and mature to the point that we can do the same thing, that we can do the same thing with our theological convictions, right? We need to have spiritual antenna and radar that are sensitive to to preaching and teaching and Christian songs and Christian books and and models of ministry that are close to being faithful, but not quite. See, that discernment is a mark and a fruit of spiritual maturity. Okay, well, how does that happen? Well, the third heading, the path to maturity. Now, we've, we've already seen that the path to spiritual maturity includes the Spirit of God working through the Word of God in the hearts of the people of God. That's how we attain to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, not remaining spiritual infants, tossed to and fro by every wave and wind of teaching. But with all that in mind, listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians 4, verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Okay, let, first, notice that spiritual maturity is growing up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. As I've already said, spiritual maturity is becoming more Christ-like, becoming full of Christ, being conformed more and more into his image. Second, notice the connection between truth and love, truth and love. Paul's not talking about merely filling your head with stuff. He's talking about how you live, how you love one another. Notice that connection between truth and love. It's not truth without love, and it's not love without truth. But our translation reads speaking the truth in love but do you know that the Greek text actually doesn't say speaking that that's not there that the Greek text literally says truthing in love truthing in love now why point that out well truthing in love certainly includes speaking the truth in love to one another and we need to do that we need to speak the truth in love to one another But I also think that truthing in love is also broader and more all-encompassing than merely speaking or only speaking the truth in love. That uh, truthing in love extends to all of our life. It includes to living out and doing the truth in love in every area of our lives. R.C. Sproul says it's the task of Christians to be people of the truth. They're called to search the truth, to understand the truth, to communicate the truth. But it's not simply abstract, propositional utterance that they are to make. It's not just concepts we are to memorize and be able to say. They are to hold this truth that is precious to them in love. See, truthing in love. Truth in love. See, if you ever hear someone attempt to pit truth against love or love against truth, that's a clear indicator that they don't understand the Bible's teaching. That's a clear indicator that they themselves are not spiritually mature. You see, truth and love are never opponents. They're never opponents. Rather, truth and love work together in Christian maturity. And we must hold both together, truth and love. We must be 100% committed to the truth of God's love, the truth of God's word. We must be 100% committed to the truth of God's word. See, it's it's not loving It's not loving at all to fail to be 100% committed to being as faithful as possible to the truth of God's word. 100% committed to being as faithful as possible. We must also be 100% committed to loving God and loving one another well. See, we do not really understand God's truth if we're not committed to loving one another well. Now, Now, look at the last two verses in our passage together. Look at 15 and 16 together rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay, so looking at this passage, see Paul's not, he's not so much giving us an anatomy lesson and, or, and, and teaching us how the body works as he's teaching us about how the body of Christ grows, how the body of Christ matures spiritually. So look, look at verse 16 closely. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, Paul's point is that just as every joint, every ligament in your body is needed, I mean think about it, I mean world-class athletes are are completely sidelined if they have an injury to one ligament, to one joint, just as every joint and ligament in your body is needed, everyone in this room, every member of this local body of Christ is needed, that no one is insignificant, no one is unimportant. Unimportant. Everyone has been given gifts by the risen and ascended Christ for, for the work of ministry, service in his church, for the building up of the body of Christ. Everyone has a role to play in our church, and our church growing and building itself up in love and maturity. See remember, Christ has given you a spiritual gift, and you have a place here. You have a part to play. And as you discover and develop and deploy your gifts for ministry and service, as you grow and mature, yes, you are blessed, and yes, you grow, but the church the church as a whole is blessed. The church as a whole is served, and the church as a whole grows and matures. So look again at verse 16. The whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I mean, n- notice how, how close-knit we are to be with one another. That yes, we are to be you know, concerned with our own personal growth and spiritual maturity. We need to be concerned if, that we as individuals are pursuing spiritual maturity, but we are not to only be concerned with ourselves. That, that we are to pray for and strive for, and labor towards the overall growth and maturity of our local church. You see what Paul's calling us to do? And when we don't, when we only care about us, when we only care about us, and we need to care about us, you need to care about your spiritual growth and maturity, but when we only care about that, John Calvin says that that's, that, that's like a, an unhelpful, unhealthy growth on the body, Remember, one part is just growing and the rest of the body is not growing. Listen to how Calvin put it. That man is mistaken who desires his own separate growth. For what would it profit a leg or an arm if it grew to an enormous size? Or for the mouth to be stretched wider? It would merely be afflicted with a harmful tumor. So if we wish to be considered in Christ, let no man be anything for himself, but let us all be whatever we are for others. This is accomplished by love, and where love does not reign, there's no edification of the church, but a mere scattering. So consider what Paul's saying here, looking at verses 15 and 16. How does the body grow up into maturity? There must be a faithful and nourishing ministry of the word of God, propelled and sustained by the Holy Spirit, and where this is taking place, there should be the fruit of love. And when truth and love are combined in a local church, it is as if the spiritual growth and the maturity takes care of itself. As Paul writes, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That a faithful teaching preaching ministry of the word, propelled sustained by the Holy Spirit, where truth and love are to combined together believed trusted embraced also lived out truth and love And think about this think about how much paul has has written about love starting at the end of chapter 3 through the first half of ephesians 4 i mean think about that back in ephesians 3 verses 17 to 19 he he was praying and he prayed so that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He's talking about truth and doctrine and love and love for one another and Christ's love for us and all of this in, in maturity, being filled with all the fullness of God. And then in, in beginning, in the early in Ephesians 4, verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, Bearing with one another in love. Then our text today, verses 15 and 16, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, may we be individuals, families, families, a church that is 100% committed to God's truth revealed in his word and 100% committed to loving God and loving one another well. And may we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we, we are so thankful for your work of grace in our lives, Lord, you have saved us, you've given us new hearts, you've put your spirit within us, Lord, we pray that that your ongoing work of grace in our lives to sanctify us, to to enable us to more and more die unto sin and more and more live unto righteousness that that we would pursue that we pray father that you would you would work this in us as you move by your spirit through your word in our hearts through the ordinary means of grace the faithful preaching of your word prayer and the right administration of the sacraments baptism and like this table before us the lord's supper Father, hear, hear our silent prayers now as we prepare our hearts to come to this table.